0: different? Well, not really different. Um, during the holiday season, I put the um, book study on hold, and I teach on the holidays. So uh, this morning, instead of being in First John, which we will return to, almost finished before the holidays. We got close, but uh, we'll return to First John at... Um, At the beginning of the new year, which is hard to think about, it's already almost 2021. Well, I'm actually happy for 2020 to leave. Um, Say that it's been hell is an understatement for some of you, for some of us. So we'll pray for a better... A better year. Actually, 2021 is the, actually, if I understand this correctly, it is the first year of the new decade. That 20 is not the first year of the decade. This the last year of the previous decade. And 21 is the first year of the new decade. So perhaps that's something to look forward to. Um, I don't know why that's there. But anyway, um, I came in and it was there. Anyway, this is pet plant. We're in Psalm 107 this morning. And this, this is a, a fascinating, fascinating psalm. And what, what's interesting is at the beginning of book five, the psalms are actually divided into five books. I don't know if you're aware of that, which I find interesting because um, how many books are in Torah? Five books in Torah. So you have five books in the psalms. Um, is there a correlation? Maybe. Some of the rabbis might give you some long, detailed answer for that. And, of course, you get 10 in a room, you end up with 12 different opinions, right? So, um, but nonetheless, um, it's the beginning of book 5. But what's interesting to me, it's at the end of book 4 from about Psalm 105, Psalm 106, and Psalm 107 are these wonderful psalms of thanksgiving. and And it's 43 verses long. I'm not going to read the entire psalm to you this morning, but I'm going to try to address the entire psalm from, um, I would say, a bird's eye view. I guess I can say that. I'm afraid of heights. So even just thinking about it doesn't do me any good. And so, but we're going to get up high and take a look at this psalm. And I think this is a better way to, to really teach on it. But I would encourage you to spend some time in this particular psalm uh, this week. And it says in Psalm 107, I'll just read the first few verses, O oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And then I'm going to skip ahead, all the way ahead, to verse 39 says, when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and he causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock and, rejo- and the righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops his mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Amen. So, Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts as we look at this psalm. Lord, fill us that we might hear from you. We do thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time to worship and to to be at your table and to commune with you in that way. And for the move of your spirit upon us. So, Lord, fill us that we might hear. I pray, Lord, that you would fill me also that, that, that I might be able to, to convey that which you desire to speak to each of us this morning and to separate those things that, that could be for another time. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us to gather from this particular passage. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good; for His mercy endures forever. It's a uh, it's an incredible exc- exclamation of praise and an exclamation of worship. I kind of see praise and worship as as praise is kind of a Different expression of worship, thanksgiving, by the way, is a expression of worship i 'll get into that a little bit later um, but and sometimes we are we are doing two different things as we worship, but but so often it is that so many of these different attributes of worshipping god as we as we praise him, as we recognize his character as we sing about his attributes, as we give thanks to him. They kind of all blend together, don't they? They really do. They really do blend together. And it, to me, um, worship is, is a time, well, so many things. But worship is a time that, that one, it gives us a little bit of a, a preview of what heaven is going to be like. You know, because what we're doing here, particularly in worship, particularly in singing together, we're going to do it in the presence of Jesus. We're going to do it up there. So if you don't like worship here, heaven's going to be hell for you, really. Because this is what we're going to do. And, and I think it's a preview of heaven. I also think because the Bible tells us that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, that it is a time where heaven, in some way, some shape, some form, I sense this more than I can reason this, but I believe that heaven comes to earth. And, and God comes down and he inhabits the praises of his people. That, that's, that's part of why, it, when we come here on Sunday mornings, prepare your heart to meet God Almighty. Yes, I understand that we are happy to see each other and it's great to be amongst each other and all of this. But the reality is the main reason why we are here, at least the main reason why I hope we are here, is to meet with God and to receive from God. And to give God our undivided attention and our undivided devotion and to be in a place where we can be still and know that he is God and allow the still small voice to begin to speak to our hearts and to give us that which we need to get us through the lousy week ahead because we need to be here and refuel because we went through the lousy week behind us. Or at least some of you did. I don't know, I had sort of a good week for a change, so I, I, I don't know. Uh, and I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. And, uh, I, you know, nobody in my house, I don't know why I'm going here, but nobody in my house likes to watch a Charlie Brown Christmas but me. I don't, I don't know why. But I love that show. I mean, even I've got pictures of it on my phone, okay? That's how much I love that show. But anyway... Uh, Because it's part of worship, I guess. I Just this idea of giving thanks. And just to gather and to be in a place where the world just stops for just a moment. And we, we celebrate the goodness of God. We celebrate his wonderfulness to us. In spite of the fact that, and particularly I, I'm... Ah, problem with the small church is I know the issues, alright? and And so... And I don't want to speak platitudinally. Because I have been in those times where life was just absolutely horrible. And yet, though he slay me. And there have been times that I felt like he has. Though he slay me, yet I will still trust him. Yet I will still praise him in spite of. If for no other reason, now this is, this is good theology but bad application, okay? But I'm going to say it anyway. If for no other reason, then the alternative is much worse. And you all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Look at the ceiling, Mike. Anyway. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. I don't know if I'm going to get out of the first verse. The phrase mercy, his mercy endures forever is in the Old Testament 42 different times. I count. well, I went, I used the program, all right? I should, I might, no, I didn't thumb through each page, look and count, all right? I'd still be doing that probably. But it's in the Bible, Old Testament, 42 different times. And, 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 and I, I think at times we get this false separation uh, between, well, the church is under grace, and Israel was under law. You know, we've always been under grace. We've always been under grace. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted under him as what? Righteousness. It's in Genesis. Repeated in the New Testament. It has always been about God's grace. The law was a calling toward a covenant of identification of God's special people. And it was a law, incidentally, that they couldn't keep anyway, correct? Because the reality is that God was just shouting to Israel, his mercy endures forever. Now, as I thought about this and I read through the Psalm N. You know, you know I, I, I told you guys that I just really want to just teach the Gospels, right? Call, it, call our church the Gospel Church, and we'll make everybody else in town mad, right? But, but then again, I, you know, the richness of the Psalms. So I'm going to change the name of our new name, but not just to the Gospel Church, but the Gospel and the Psalms Church. How's that? Be? But all the wisdom literature. Um, uh, so important, the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Do I dare say it? Lamentations. It's important stuff that really just ministers to and that speaks to our soul. And and here at the beginning of book five in the Psalms, we are told that we are to give thanks to God. Give thanks to Yahweh. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. It's mentioned 42 times. Now, uh, that, that his mercy endures forever. Now, that word mercy, the word mercy, you know, you probably might, some of you might remember this. It is the Hebrew word. I almost said Greek. I didn't play around with the Septuagint this week. But it's the Hebrew word hased And if you really want to get really Hebrew, it would be C-H-E-S-E-D. Or you could just spell it in the English spelling, H-E-S-E-D. Make sure you put it in italics anyway, because I'm kidding. Anyway. But it's the Hebrew word, almost said Greek again, Hased And it occurs... 248 times in 241 verses in the Old Testament. So it it is a concept that God is bringing over and over again to his people. Now, incidentally, in this psalm, it is also translated goodness in verse 8. Oh, that men would give thanks to God for his goodness, which is a verse I want to kind of look at in just a bit. We see that also in verse 15, and also in verse 21, and also in verse 31. So this word mercy, uh, uh, mercy can also be translated goodness. Also, we see that, that uh, um, in verse 43, and that's why I read the end of uh, the psalm to you. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the hased, loving kindness, of Yahweh. And, and so, to me, there's such a book in here. The this, this, this psalm begins with Hased. It ends with Hased. And it, all throughout the psalm, it is peppered with this concept of Hased. It refers to this loyal love. Starting to ring some bells, because I've talked about this before. This loyal love that God has for us, this unfailing kindness. It is also referred now think about this, God's devotion towards us. God's devotion towards us. His sense of commitment. This, this, this love, this affection uh, that is steadfast and is, is really based on a prior relationship, which we see in the book of Exodus 34, verses 5 and 7. We won't take the time to look at this. This also brings in the idea of favor, that God has uh, holds us in great favor, which actually is another word for what? Favor? Remember, Noah found favor in the eyes of God, but if you go to the New King James, it's Noah found what? Grace. Grace and favor are very similar concepts in, in the scripture. And, and so... Um, but even in the book of Esther, it's used for this idea of, of the giving of benefits to someone. So it is is—it is a very, very full word of that describes, remember I've said it to you this way before, that this, you can't run away from it. It is a love you can't run away from. It is a love that you cannot hide from. It is a love that you cannot drown out. It is this incredible sense of persistency That God has in His love toward each one of us. Now, if you know yourself to any degree at all, that concept should blow your mind about God's love for you. And to me, as I as I'm thinking about this, this is just astounding, that God has such loyal love. For all of us, His loyal love, His has said, endures. And doesn't it feel that at times love endures? Yes, it does. Doesn't it? It goes back to that saying that I've, I've I've told you guys about before. Just when you thought you've extracted enough grace out of me, there you go and try to get some more. Right? It's long suffering. It it is God's long-suffering gesture of incredible love for us. And his love endures forever. Um, I love this word as well. We've talked about this before. It's the word olam, O-L-A-M, olam. And remember... I've, I've expressed it to you this way. It refers to the vanishing point or that which is beyond the vanishing point. You know what I mean about the vanishing point? That which is beyond the horizon. That which is beyond what you can see. And, and you look as far as you can in, in, in east and west and, and you, you see it, but then there's a, you almost like see a place where finally there's no more seeing. There's no more visibility. It's beyond beyond that vanishing point. What's interesting about this too is I I've done, did a little more digging on this word. In Genesis chapter 21, verse 33, God uses this word forever to describe himself as the El Olam in Hebrew. El Olam, which means the everlasting God. He refers to himself as the everlasting God. Now, what is so interesting about Olam is it not only refers to beyond the vanishing point, but it mainly is given to us within the concept of what? Time. That idea of time, that which goes into eternity, but it is not just projected out into the future, but it also considers the past. So it's beyond eternity future, it is beyond eternity past. Have you blown any circuits yet? I've just blown a few of them, because to me that is such a hard concept for me to wrap my mind around. But it definitely describes Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Or John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning. Or John chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning was the word and so you have to have this 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 time that is known as the beginning, and yet at the, before the beginning began, before the beginning began, all right, it's the best I can do for you. all right there was God, everlasting before and into the future. who says to you, who says to me that his unfailing loyal love endures not only from eternity past, but into eternity future. That's immense. This idea that that God is merciful. And... and, um, not only is he merciful, but he is a God of goodness. He's in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. I'll just read it. Through the, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Through his said, we are not consumed. All right? Now, I'm, I'm reading this because we're going to go back to this in just a bit in Psalm 107. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning; great is your faithfulness. And that's tucked right in the middle of, of the Book of Lamentations, which is a song about lamenting, or excuse me, a book about lamenting and a book about sorrow and a book about God. We have we've done all these horrible things, and we want to repent. And yet, yet life is so bad, and we don't even know where to begin. And 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 it's, it, uh, they're 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 wallowing in their sorrow and their lamentations. And yet this proclamation. That that through the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's has said, we are not consumed. He's a God of mercy. Also, as I mentioned earlier, that in this psalm, the word has said is translated as goodness. And and that he is also a God of goodness. Exodus 34, 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness. There's your word, chesed, again. Goodness and in truth. He is a God who is merciful. He is a God who abounds in goodness towards us. And he is also a God of kindness. Solomon, first Kings chapter three, verse six, and he's praying to God, and he says, You have shown great mercy. That's not the word has said, by the way, but he says, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth in righteousness and in uprightness of heart. You have continued this great has said or kindness. For him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Solomon is praying this at his coronation, and he's referring back to the promise that God gave David in Second Samuel chapter 7, telling him that he will have a descendant sit on his throne forever, which is actually ultimately pointing toward whom? Jesus Christ. But Solomon recognized that it was part of God's kindness That he fulfilled these promises. In Romans chapter 2. In the ESV. It tells us. That or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience. Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. God has said his kindness is meant to. Now in the Greek of course in Romans it's Greek. And so it's a different word. But it's the same concept okay. His kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. And so with this, we are called to give thanks. I'm just getting started and I'm almost done, for goodness sake. Okay. Uh, with this, we are called to give thanks. And, and and this this concept of giving thanks in Hebrew is a little bit different than our concept of giving thanks, particularly as we give thanks as we normally understand it to one another. Or brought me a cup of coffee. So I'm staying awake because of it. Anyway, I'm kidding. But when I said thank you, and so I thanked him. I was grateful for it, and I expressed that gratitude. But, but when we say thanks to God in the Hebrew understanding of the word, which is the word yada, Y-A-D-A, Sometimes there's an H some at the end, sometimes not. But this concept of giving, giving thanks to God, it, the, this word literally means to throw out. I should have brought someone of Bailey's Balls. I would have thrown it just to illustrate. But nonetheless, it's the idea that you're throwing something out. My mind immediately goes to the book of Revelation when we cast our crowns before him. As we throw the crowns that we have been given and we cast them, to him, as an offering of thanksgiving and love and, and gratitude, we we cast out a expression of thanksgiving to God, and in the Hebrew thinking, in the definition of this word, it's always within the context of worship. Essentially, they understood that you cannot be thankful to God without actually worshiping him. In other words, your expression of thanks had to mean something. It had to come from the heart. It 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 couldn't just be idle words that you would you would say to someone because it's the polite thing to say, but it was the actual expression from the wellspring of your own heart in expressing your gratitude, thanks, and your love to God. And so it's always wrapped around this idea of praise. It's always wrapped around this idea of worship. Uh, And it actually, the word yadah could also be translated praise in the Hebrew. So it's this interchangeable type of word that when we are thanking God, we are praising God. When we are thanking him, we are worshiping him. I think, it just popped into my head, and I'm not going to take the time to look at it, but the book of Romans talks about those who, who are, are, are against God. One of the things that the book of Romans, chapter 1, by the way, tells us that neither were they what? Some of you know this. Thankful. Neither were they thankful. They were opposed to God, and not only were they opposed to God, but neither were they thankful. They did not thank God for that which God had provided for them. And so, we're told to give thanks to God. Verse 8, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, or chesed. Now, Now, what's interesting about that verse, now remember this is in the Psalms, so it is actually a song. I don't know how it went, But it was a song. So therefore you have, particularly in this longer psalm, you have repetitive elements, which I think are important. So the verse, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of Israel, right? Or to the children of men, depending on the the translation you read from. That expression, Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, is found in verse 8. If you skip down to verse 15 you notice it's the same verse. If you, uh, if you skip down to verse 21, it's the same verse. If you skip down to verse 31, it is also the same verse. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Now, what is fascinating to me, that if you read the verses in front of verse 8, 15, 21, and 31, It describes man's rebellion against God, man going into judgment by God, men crying out to God for deliverance and for forgiveness, and then God forgiving them. Verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in the desolate way, and they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them, and they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Now, this wandering in the wilderness could be an expression of their history. It could be the wilderness wanderings, and it probably is. Although it is believed that this psalm was written after the Babylonian uh, uh, exile, and then coming back out of Babylon. So it's it's a latter psalm. Um. So it could be a rehearsing of their history, but I think there's another way to read this. Verse 4, how many times did we wander in the wilderness in the desolate way? How many times did we find no city to dwell in? How many times are we hungry and thirsty and our soul faints? Which, by the way, the psalmist David talks about this quite a bit, doesn't he? So how many times do we do we do we experience this, this sense of, of dryness, the sense of wandering through the wilderness, being in the desert, being in a place that we feel spiritually we're going to faint? See, apply this spiritually into your own life. And and then it says, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distress, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city. For a dwelling place, a city for a dwelling place. Now, if you know Israel's history, um, this could not completely apply to those who are wandering in the wilderness because they did not go to a city, essentially. They finally found themselves on the eastern banks of the Jordan River, and then they went into the promised land. But they did not go into a city. I think that's an important thing that, that we need to consider. What city then is he talking about? I think the city that he's talking about is the city that the writer of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews 11, chapter 10, for it talks about Abraham, for he waited for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. That's why I'm saying you've got to apply this spiritually, because I think it's written that way, for us to apply it spiritually. And then, of course, oh, that men would give thanks. To the Lord for his said, And then it goes on. I'm not going to cover each of them. But verse 10. Those who sat in darkness. And in the shadow of death. Bound in affliction and irons. Because they rebelled against the words of God. I will read some of this. And despised the counsel of the most high. Therefore he brought them down. With. with uh Down. Therefore he brought down their heart and labor. They fell down and there was none to help. So they're in a bad way, right? Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. Does that sound familiar? Can we just read that? Are you seeing a pattern here? Because the, uh, the, the other portions be, uh, before verse 21 and verse 31 are essentially describing the, some of the same characteristics. And while this is a bit of a stretch, now I admit, this is a bit of a stretch, I'm starting to see the 70 times 7 pattern happening here of forgiveness. And, and then again, the admonition in verse 15, oh, that man would give yada. Thanks to Yahweh for his hased. Then it goes on to seventeen. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. I think that's talking about spiritual food, by the way. And then what did they do? Verse nineteen. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. So, third time this is mentioned. It'll be mentioned another time. Do you see the incredible picture that the psalmist is painting for us in what the has said that exists beyond the vanishing point really entails and how we live these things and how we appropriate these things and apply these things into our lives here on earth let alone what we have to look forward to when we go into eternity And and what an incredible long-suffering and loving God, this loyal love, this loyal has said that he continues to bring to us over and over and over and over again when we simply cry out to him and ask him for his help. This is powerful. This is really, uh, this is becoming like one of my favorite psalms. This is incredibly powerful. Verse 39, that's where I want to finish because we're about out of time anyway. It says, when they are diminished and brought low through oppression and affliction and sorrow, there's the humbling. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. See, this, this psalm really just, just portrays this to us also, I think, in living color. I haven't used that word in a long time, but anyway, it, it just you know, many different aspects and facets of of our life that we struggle to cleave to God and we we don't always do it well and we we backslide and we sin and and yet he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it says he pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. In other words, they become purposeless. They become without vision. They become without goal. They become without without any kind of reason. Yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction. In other words, he, he raises us up above the dung heap of the world. 2020. Need I say any more? I don't think I have to. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For though theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. Or kingdom of God, either one. He sets the poor on high. Again, apply this spiritually. And makes their families like a flock. The Good Shepherd, John 10. The righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops its mouth. Boy, I can't wait for that to happen. For the noise of the nonsense of the world to finally be ceased. And then the ad- The admonishment. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the Hasid of, of the Lord. Wow. The mercies, the hased that endures, that is long suffering, forever, that is the breath of his mercy extends beyond the vanishing points of our comprehension, the vanishing points of our existence, our time of coming into the world, the time when we leave this world. No wonder it was that the prophet Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 55, My way, God declares, my ways are higher than your ways. They are beyond your finding out. And so when I read this, the call to wisdom is to understand his loving kindness toward us. The one who is wise is not the one who believes they have God all figured out. Because, man, if you have God all figured out, that just tells me you don't. You don't. But the wise person understands and comprehends to a degree. His loving kindness. Kindness. But in the Hebrew mindset, that was not an academic understanding of the reason. That was an experience and of the reality of immersing themselves in God's loving kindness because there is no better teacher than experience. Amen? So experience is loving kindness. Experience his said. I don't care what kind of a morning you might have had and how many times you might have blown it this morning or when you go home or whatever this week or when you burn the turkey. Hopefully you won't burn the turkey. But anyway, experience his loving kindness. Wisdom calls for us to jump in and trust him with this with both feet. Not to try to figure it out. Again. In the book of Lamentations. Though the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. So Father we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for such a powerful psalm. We'd ask, Lord, that you would bring us back to this over and over and over again. And that, Lord, that we would truly be people who would give thanks to you because you are good and your mercy endures forever. We thank you for that. Help us just to walk in wisdom and just to embrace and experience your loving kindness. We ask this for your great namesake. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys.